Hey Life Canton, Roger here, Director of Student and Young Adult Ministries. So glad that you're with us, whether you're a returning listener or a brand new listener. If you are brand new, be sure to follow, like, subscribe, all that stuff so you can hear uh, not only our sermons, but some of the other stuff we put out on our podcast. Uh, either way, if you want to participate or be a part of what God is doing in this community, which is quite a bit, uh, you can always participate in that in a number of ways. But one of the ways is by giving, uh, by investing in the mission of God at our church and in our community. You do that by heading over to the Life Ch- uh, Canton forward slash give page. Um, to be a part and participate in God's activity in that way. Uh, So this week, we are on our last week of 2 Timothy, a series we've been going through for 12 weeks throughout the summer. Uh, Last message will be brought to us by Pastor Nathan, so give that a listen, and I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in a second. I believe that... I believe that God has something for us today, something powerful, and uh, God moved in incredible ways in the service before. I think there's something special about today, not because of what we're doing, but because of what God is doing in the midst of all of us. Uh, So with that, have a seat, but be prepared for what God is going to do in and through us as a community. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're brand new, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I'm, I'm joyful that you're here. Um, but sometimes we don't know you're here unless you tell us we're, that you're here. One of the ways you can do that and help us partner with you in your journey as you are maybe just visiting with friends, but you could be trying to find a church home or you're coming to give church a final shot. Uh, whatever it is, we want to partner with you. You can do that by filling out a Connect card. You do that with a QR code that'll be on the screen. You can just take your phone out and go click, and there you go. There are uh, Connect cards on your seat as well. These are ways for you to connect or through our Church Center app with all the information that you would need to know. We are finishing a series today, a series that I love, and every year, the last three years, we've done a book of the Bible throughout the summer, and every year, I'm like, this is going to get old, right? And it doesn't. It's incredible, and I feel uh, just so full with all of the different um, uh, sermons that I've heard and all the moments that we've had. If this is your first time or you missed some uh, during the summer, all of them on our podcast that you can listen to uh, as you're doing work around the house, or you can watch videos online. But today is all about finishing up what God has been laying in us. Now, this series has been about one thing, fanning into flame the gift that God has given us. Fan into flame the gift that God has given us. For those of us who have followed Jesus, we have this gift of power and presence, and purpose. It's the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, don't you forget. Don't you forget what God has put in you. And that's what the series has been all about. I want to continue on in the series. One of the things I learn as we go through this is we're like, hey, we'll section out these set of verses. And it always ends up being too many verses. And there's always a million things we want to share with you that we can't. And so I actually want to jump in right where Jared left off as we finish out the chapter in 2 Timothy 4.16. 2 Timothy 4.16 says this, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Jared did an incredible job last week talking about this process, about that we get things happen to us in our life, but our role is to not hold it against them. And, and the mental health that goes along with that and the challenges, if you are someone who's interested about mental health, check out that message. But today, I want to draw us back to what's happening. Paul is in a defense. He's in a courtroom. He's saying, when I was in this court trial, 
I was deserted. No one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. I don't want to start here. Because Paul is going to share with us something incredible by the words that he uses. Man, we don't always get to, to see the original language. And because of that, sometimes we miss out on these patterns that are placed for us to notice and for us to see. And I want to focus on this word, deserted me. Have you ever been deserted or forsaken or abandoned? Yeah, all of us probably have at some point. I think of students, and, and I think if you're a student in, in school right now, it's a really hard time to have friends, and you may have been abandoned by some friends, and it may have been a whole social media thing and, and a big thing, but, but that moment where you realize there was a friendship or there was something, and now there isn't, that is not a good feeling. Or maybe as a student, you have felt because you're father wasn't around or your mother wasn't around, abandoned. Man, even as adults, for those of us who uh, don't have a father or a mother because they weren't around, we feel that pain too. Maybe we got let go abruptly. You know, we'd put our time in, in, in this job. We'd done our best, but it's gone, forsaken, deserted. Maybe the finances fell apart. I've talked to a couple people recently who were in a relationship and they left. This feeling, this emptiness, it is a hard emotion to go through. And it can make us feel even more lonely than we already do. I love that Paul isn't afraid of sharing with us that he has felt the same thing. But he's intentionally using this word to say it's not just me, Paul, who has felt this way, but that there is a pattern that, it, that he wants to share with us to draw us deeper into what God is doing and what he is trying to communicate. See, this word, everyone deserted me, shows up. It shows up in a little bit of a different form. In Psalm 22.1, it says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? This word, forsaken me, it's the same word as being deserted. Paul is saying, this is the same word. You see, he's drawing a conclusion that over time in history it has felt like they've been forsaken. And you might know this verse and be like, wait a minute, that's in Psalms? I, I feel like I've heard that somewhere else, and you'd be right. It is something that Jesus said on the cross in Matthew. He's quoting this verse, 2746. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabachthani. He says, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same exact words. What is he saying? He says, Paul, I, Paul, am just like Jesus, and that I was abandoned. But Jesus, he wasn't just abandoned in a courtroom where all his friends disappeared. No, no, no. Jesus was abandoned in a courtroom of the Jewish leaders who tore him apart with their words, and then they sent him on to death. He was alone when he stood in front of Pilate, and Pilate could have done the right thing, but chose not to and washed his hands of it. And he was alone on the cross as he died, as he was tortured. And this is that moment where he experiences that feeling of abandonment and being deserted. Paul is saying, listen, there's more to this. It's not just about what I want for you, Timothy, my disciple. There's a reason why I do what I do. This reminds me of Pastor Darren's message a couple weeks ago. When he preached, there's this phrase that he said that got stuck in my head. He talked about the scripture, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my race, I have kept the faith. 
And so he came up with this refrain of, I have, I have done these things, so you must. Paul's saying, I have done all these things, but he's saying, you must do these things. And that has stuck with me uh, for these weeks. And I've been ruminating on it. And as I started to see these patterns in the scripture, I realized that there's more to it. That's why I would like to build on what Pastor Darren said as the inspiration and say, it's not just I have, so you must. It's Jesus did. I have, so you must. What do I mean? Paul is saying, Jesus has experienced the things that we have done and he chose to do something. And because of that, I, Paul, I have to do this and I have done this. So you must. 2 Timothy 4.6 is the verse that Pastor Darren used. This is one of my favorite verses and I'll tell you why in just a second. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. And departure, he means death. He's saying I'm being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my death is near. Paul has understood that his life is symbolic of a drink offering. Now, most of us don't know what a drink offering is, but you listen to Pastor Jerry, and he talked about it a little bit. I want to I go even deeper on it. See, a drink offering is a sacrifice. It's usually some kind of liquid that was very valuable, and it was poured out on an altar. And an altar was a place where you place something of value, and you sacrifice it to God. In the Old Testament, which Paul uses continually to show that Jesus is the Savior, right? We learned about that earlier. He's using this imagery for a reason. In the Old Testament, when they would sacrifice, it was for a purpose. It was to cover the breaking of the covenant. The people would break the covenant with God. We call that sin. They would do wrong. And then they would sacrifice so that their sins would be covered. So this drink offering is really important because often the case is that it wasn't done alone. It was done in concurrence with another sacrifice. And this other sacrifice that was already on the altar, that was already there, was often a lamb. A lamb. A white, pure lamb. Now, why is he using this imagery? Because Jesus Christ is called the lamb. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy, in Revelation, we see that worthy is the lamb who was slain. So what does this mean? This drink offering, what does that mean? He's saying, I'm pouring out my life, but not just on something I believe really strongly in. No, no, no. I'm pouring out my life on the sacrifice of the lamb of God to come and become part of that sacrifice. And that sacrifice was not a lamb that would be slaughtered and then slaughtered again, that we need more and more lambs. No, it was once and for all. And Jesus was perfect and died on the cross. He died once for all. Do you know that that was the greatest work of love in all of human history and will be the greatest work of love for all eternity? That someone who was perfect and good came for us broken people and died. And Paul is saying, that is my job. My job is to pour my life onto that. I love the image of it. I, I get this idea of, of, of what they would do on the altar is they would burn it. So there would be smoke that would go up into heaven and, and, and they would say it's an aroma pleasing to God. Yesterday I was at the pool enjoying one of the probably four nice days of summer that we have left uh, in, before the winter comes in Michigan. That comes every year, but every year I pretend it's not coming. But I was sitting at the, at the pool and across the way someone was barbecuing and I saw the smoke and then the smell and it hit my nose, and instantly I was hungry, and my mouth was watering. There's this aroma. It's such a powerful image. 
What about this image? The fact that you have been called to pour your life out on a sacrifice that as the aroma goes up, it doesn't just please God, but fills the entire creation with the glory of God. That you have been invited to pour your life into the greatest work of love in all of human history. I hope that's something that's exciting to you because it's not something we deserve, but Jesus did. Jesus did, so I have, so you must. This is what we are called to do. Paul's not done yet. He's ready to take us a little bit deeper in verse 17. This is what it says. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. What he's saying is I had a job to do, and uh, God didn't abandon me. He didn't leave me alone in that courtroom to die. He was with me. But I want to focus in on this phrase, stood at my side. Stood at my side. The Lord stood at my side. He's doing it again. He's using a word and imagery that he's going to then pull out to explain what Jesus has done. But he's going a little bit deeper. The Lord stood at my side. This is the same word in Exodus 34, 5, when Moses was there. said, the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him, Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. That's this powerful moment. See, Moses is one of the people who got to see, got to experience. He didn't see directly, but out the corner of his eye, he saw the presence of God. The Lord stood there with him. This method of divine presence to impart the Ten Commandments to be with him. Moses got to stand with God. And Psalm 109.31, it says this, for he stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. Same word again. Is there anyone in here right now who's needy? Thank you, thank you. Last service, nobody talked. They were like, we're good. So I was like, well, if you don't have any needs, I have lots of needs. And what, let me clarify. Uh, needy doesn't mean clingy. Needy doesn't mean like annoying. No, it means that there are things in your life that you need something or someone to show up. So I'm going to ask again, is there anyone in the room who has some need? Yes. Thank you. It's a comfort you to know that he stands with you. Now, he stands with you. Man, this comes to my most important point of the day, the thing that if you don't take anything home, know this. God is faithful. God is faithful. He is so good to us. That's right. It's amazing what he can do. What do I mean by that? Paul is saying, listen, this is the character of God. This is who he is. He is faithful. What does that mean? God will always do exactly what he said he was going to do. If you had a child like that, you would think they were the Messiah. That's for sure. If they would do whatever they said they were going to do. But we don't know any, I don't know anybody who is faithful like God. People make mistakes, but not God. He will be faithful. He will be just. He will be forgiving. He will be gracious. He will not trick people with his words. He means what he says, and he says what he means. God is faithful. And though we were abandoned and deserted, the truth is that God is faithful, and he will never leave us, a divine presence. That's why with confidence, we can read Hebrews 13.5 that says this, he will never leave you. God has said, I will never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I, this is a lot of power when God says I. So never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I want to go back to our statement then. 
because I want to build on it more. Jesus did, I have, so you must. Jesus did, I have, so you must. But we're just learning from Paul and what he is writing that God stands with the needy. So what do we know? We know that God is faithful. So this phrase, it needs redoing a little bit. It needs to say, God is. Jesus did, I have, you must. See, this all flows from the character of God and who he is. I think we need to remind ourselves a little bit more. So I'm going to say, who is faithful? And you're going to say, God is faithful. You can just say, God is if you need to, all right? So let's try that. Who is faithful? Good. Faithful is not a word we use to describe an attribute of God. Faithfulness is a word that we have derived from and tried to encapsulate who God is. It is not an attribute we have assigned. We don't know what faithfulness is unless God is. So who is faithful? When others are stepping out, he's standing in. Who is faithful? When all others deserted Paul, in the courtroom, God stood with him. Because who is faithful? God. When your father left, he didn't leave. When your mother wasn't there, he stood next to you. When your friends walk away, he's closer than a brother. Because who is faithful? That's right. I don't think we remind ourselves of that fact enough. We don't think about it. We don't dwell on it. And because of that, we can't must anything <laughs> because we forget that God is. And so Jesus did. And so we can follow that pattern. But not only does he stand with us, not only does he not leave us, he does something more. Paul's not done yet. Let's go back to verse 17. It says this, but the Lord God stood at my side and gave me strength. It's a divine presence and it's a divine gift, an infilling. It's like, hey, I can't do this by myself and I can't do this at all. So God's going to stand with you and he's going to give you that strength. Why? Because you have a job to do. You have a mission to do. You have something that God wants you to do. And so he's going to give you the strength to do that. I've been thinking about this a lot and um I'm going to share with you a story of, of my wife and I. As, as we were pregnant, it was time to give birth to a child. And, and we went, and everything seemed fine with the pregnancy. And, and we went to um, the hospital. And when we got there, things rapidly progressed, so much to the point where we had just gotten uh, Jenna into the room, the, the room where you give birth at the hospital. And... Um, Things were not quite right. So what she was experiencing is they were trying to, to move her around because something wasn't quite right with the baby, and they were trying to, to figure out what was going on. And, and so she's doing that. But, but for me, who's standing right here, I'm looking at this room and this birthing room, and, and there are like 15, it feels like 15 nurses and the doctors there, and they're running around, and they're scrubbing up. So I know the decision has been made already. So I'm kind of observing that and trying to, to, to observe what's going on make sure I'm paying attention because something's wrong with the baby and they're not sure what's going on. And so they're working on it and it's quick and it's fast and and they're moving and they're putting scrubs on me. And all of a sudden they're wheeling uh, my wife Jenna out and she looks at me. I'll never forget that moment where she's wheeling by with this look of terror in her eyes. And then we're down 
down this hallway in this abandoned hallway, but everyone's rushing and talking and things are happening and we're running and we're running and I, I'm doing it at this space because that's how I felt. It was frenetic and it's flashes and, and we're going and all of a sudden we get through those doors, you know, the doors that go in and they swing shut and they say, hey, hold on, sit here for just a second. We'll be right back. They go in and the nurse quickly comes back out and says, sorry, you can't be in there. We have to put her under. We have to do a C-section immediately and, and we're rushing. You can't be in there. Let me take you back. And she like rushes me back, puts me back into the room where all that chaos was happening and then just leaves. And I'm sitting in this room that used to be full of energy and excitement, but also terror and fear and noise. And it's silent. And I'm sitting in there by myself. And I'm going, what? What is happening? And I don't know if what's wrong with my, my child. I don't know what, if there's something wrong with my wife. And I'm alone. And so I just had my Bible with me, and I don't know what to do. So I pull out Ephesians, and I just start reading it loud. I tried to read it, but I couldn't. I couldn't just read it. So I read it out loud, and in the silence of this room, well, there's nothing going on. I'm reading out the words of Ephesians, and I start reading about praising God the Father our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us and who he is. And I just keep reading and I get stuck at a moment in Ephesians 2.10 where it says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm here, I'm, I'm breathing. I'm literally breathing out the word of God and there's terror in my heart. And I come to this realization in this moment like, God is with me. He's not far away, and he knows what's going to happen. If everything goes south, and I walk out of the hospital without a wife and without a child, he is with me, and he has a plan for me. And even though I'm going to be decimated, his strength will be with me, and he will prepare me. Yeah. He'll prepare me for whatever he has for me. Losing a child... It's probably one of the worst things a parent can experience. And anyone who has lost a child just knows there's no preparing for it. There's no way that you could get through it on your own. But that you need someone to stand with you and a strength to move you through it. Now, I walked out of that hospital with my baby girl, Eden, and my wife and everyone okay. And I praise God for that. But I know, I know at that moment, I knew in that moment something shifted. Where if I hadn't, I know that he'd be with me and he'd sustain me through it. Why? Because God is faithful. Not because anything I could do. Because God is faithful and he will give us the strength to move forward. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are a masterpiece. Some of you think you're a piece of work, but like a masterpiece, I don't know. You might be a masterpiece buried under a bunch of junk, right? <laughs> well, that's who God made you to be. You have work to do. You have a job. You have a purpose. You have a divine purpose. God has created that in you. And if you know him, he will transform you. See, it isn't just about surviving this life. It's about doing what God has called us to do. And he will give us the strength. Why? So that all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul could never have had the impact on your and my life that he, on his own 
It was because of what God chooses to do. As Pastor Darren said, that the charge you keep is only achievable because the Lord God is faithful. You have a charge, you have a responsibility, but it's only achievable because God is. So who is faithful? But it's only possible because he gives you the strength to do it too. God is so good to us. Paul has incredible challenges ahead of him. He's about to die. But it wasn't like he had an easy life up to that point either. No, he had a horrible life. At one point, he was beaten and thrown into the village dump and left for dead. And by all accounts, was dead. Was dead in the dump, which the Jewish people called Gehenna, which is the same name they gave to hell. So Paul is lying in hell, dead. And his people, his people who loved him, came around him, prayed, and he stood up. And then Paul went back into the city because he's crazy. He had a job to do. But man, I thought about that for just a moment. Sometimes when you feel dead and in hell, the only thing for it is a group of people to come and to support you and to pray for you and to love you. See, some of us want to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps. But in reality, many of us, we need community. In fact, everyone needs community. Paul didn't do any of this by himself. Though he was deserted, he had so many people come beside him. So that's the message I have for you today. If we are to fulfill the mission that God has for every single one of us, to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love, it will not be done as individuals. It will be done as a community. Because at times we will fall. And at times we will break. And times we will be in hell. And we need people to surround us and to love us and to care for us. So I have one more change to our phrase. It starts off with God is, Jesus did. But I want to change these last two because so often we make our faith individual. That's not the case here. Jesus, our God is, Jesus did. So we must. We must do this together. The mission that God has for us, it's so important but it is only achievable as we submit and love each other well and care for each other well. And I'm afraid in this world where we live in, we keep telling people, just have your own faith. Just have your own faith, just you and God. And that's not gonna cut it. And you're not gonna be able to fulfill what God has for you. Paul was surrounded by people and we need to be surrounded. So what the Jesus inside of us feels weak, the Jesus in the rest of us is strong. So that when I forget how God is so big and so powerful and so faithful, you can tell me. You can remind me. Do you think that I don't know? I don't need this? I need this more than the rest of you, I think. I need to be reminded every day about who God is and how faithful he is and what he's doing because so often I start looking at me as a human and what I'm doing. So here's my charge to you. If God is faithful, my charge to you is that you need to place yourself in a position where you are reminded it by people who love you. So my call is that you need to be in a group. Not just come to church on Sundays to a service, all right, like where we give you a service. That's not the point. We gather together to remind ourselves of who God is by worshiping him. And we gather together in small groups to remember who God is by loving each other. And we need that. In a couple weeks, we're going to have a life group Sunday where we launch our groups and we add people to groups. And they're only for a semester, so you can try it out. Um, I would encourage you to sign up right now to be part of it. Don't wait until you get home. But if you're feeling the conviction that you need to be part of a group, do it now. Make a commitment to it. Because the enemy would love nothing better than to pull you to the side and get you alone. We need people. 
So please, go ahead and sign up for that. Right now, you can even ignore me for the rest of the message because I want you to be in a group of people who care for you because when we feel like we're abandoned, when we feel like we're alone, the enemy can attack us. But in community, we know that we belong. The next series we talk about is about what we're going to do. It's the mission, the vision of where we're at and who we are as a church and how we're continuing to work to get there and how you can be part of it. It's a powerful series. But crucial to that is that we are in community. We need each other to reclaim our identity in Jesus and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. 2 Timothy 4.18, as we are drawing to a close, I want you to know that Paul realizes that God would be his rescuer. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Even though Paul is about to die, he knows where he will end up. And what does that do in, in Paul's heart? It turns to glory. So many of his letters again and again and again, he, he like interrupts himself in the middle of what he's saying just to start praising God for how good he is because Paul was overcome by how faithful God was and it poured out of him in praise. So to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is our response. When we become overwhelmed, we remember how faithful God is and we say to him be the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. I was talking to someone in between services today and they're like, it was so cool to hear about your story, about how your foundation was firm in the midst of that difficulty. And I said, yeah, I don't know what would have happened before it happened, right? I don't know how I would respond until it happens, but I do know that it's something that you build in your life. You build a foundation of the faithfulness of God in season and out of season. You build it through trials, but you build it when things are going well. You build it by worshiping him by praising him, by remembering how small we are and how big he is and that he would care about us is powerful and it changes things and it should fill your heart with praise and joy. That is who we are and we forget it too often. I want to remember you to remember though that it's not just for him to receive the glory and for us to be able to make it through, but I want you to know that this strengthening that God has for us is crucial to what he wants us to do. What he wants to put in us and do through us is something that only he can do. What God wants as a masterpiece, as a work in progress, but work that you have to do, God has something for you in every situation. God wants you to work his kingdom into your family, into your friends, at your work. And what God has for you is beyond you. What I mean is you do not have the ability to do what God wants you to do. You have what it takes. No, you don't. You're like, what? (laughs) Nike's been lying to me for a long time. No, don't get me wrong. You are amazing. You are wonderful. You are beautiful. People love you. Like, Like, I'm not trying to bash you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God's divine plans are beyond human capabilities. Do you understand? So God has a purpose for you that's beyond your abilities. He's going to use every single one of your abilities, but he's also going to give you the strength to do more than what's possible. And that applies to this church. What God has for this church is beyond our ability, beyond our perseverance, beyond our attendance, beyond our fear, beyond our emotions, and beyond our budget. It is bigger than all of those things. And the tendency for us is to think if, it is, if it's not humanly possible, it's not God's will. No, no, no. It, it, it is only God's will if it's beyond the ability of humans to do it. 
See, we have to learn to have faith. See, this isn't a look at all the things and make sure they make sense, then step out in faith. That's not faith. Faith is saying, I'm not sure this is going to work, but God said do it, so he's going to stand with me and he's going to give me the strength. So I'm going to step. Gosh, we, we, we just chop our legs out from under ourselves. If it feels impossible and God calls you to it, it probably is him. It's probably him saying, I'm, it's not you, I'm going to do it. Just go. It's good. 2 Timothy 4.22. This is his last words in 2 Timothy. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Now this translation is better understood as the Lord is with your spirit. God is with you. He is standing with you. He will strengthen you. Breathe in his grace. Breathe in his joy. Fix your focus on him. As we close, I want you to know that God is. He is faithful. Jesus did. So we must participate. We must participate in this love. As we close, well, I want to remind you and take you all the way back to the first verse we discussed. When Paul's in a trial and he's being, uh, uh, he's being unfairly, unfairly, uh, you know, in the room, he didn't do anything wrong. And so the tendency for us is to say, yeah, of course, God stood with Paul. Paul hadn't done anything wrong. And the tendency for us is to say is God is not with us because we do wrong. And the truth is, that's true. We don't stand in the trial, and we won't stand in the trial someday before God and stand as people who have not done wrong. No, we've done wrong. There's so much that we have done that deserves punishment. But the beauty of what Paul is saying (laughs) is he stands with you there too. He stands by our side even when we deserve what we're getting. And the beauty of what will happen someday is when we stand before God and we feel the weight and the pain and the hurt of everything that we caused and we know there's nothing we can do. Yeah, I did all that. There's nothing we can do. We feel the weight of it. Jesus will step up and say, it's covered. I have covered it. And that's the beauty, that we can stand today knowing that we are clean and free, that we have been forgiven, but it was for a purpose. Not just because he loved us, of course, but because he loves so many in the world, all of them, and that he wants to use you. Imagine this idea that Jesus is standing next to you and you feel all the weight and he says, no, I want to forgive him, Father. He's forgiven. Not only that, I want him to join me as we go into this world and we transform it and we bring hope and life. I got a job for him. I made him for a purpose. I made her for a purpose. It's time. You imagine the joy on the Father's face, the joy of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the angels and all the souls who go before us as they rejoice in this moment where people who were dead and condemned come back to life and freedom. For some of you in the room, you have not chosen that. For those of us who have, it is a moment to celebrate what God has done again and again. But I'd be remiss if I didn't ask for those in the room who want to make a decision to follow Jesus to do that. So I'm going to ask everybody, as we prepare for what's next, to stand. Will you stand with me if you're able? What's next is I'm going to give people an opportunity to follow Jesus, but there's also opportunities for each of you 
to demonstrate that God is faithful. And you do that by worshiping God, by saying, God, you are good. You do that by surrounding yourself in community and saying, I'm not going to live this life alone. You do that by putting your trust in God and saying, no, God is faithful and he has called me to be a generous giver. That is who I am and so I will give. So there's going to be moments for all of us to respond. But I want to pray and ask for God's presence that we would be made aware of God's presence because he is with us. Let's close our eyes. I want you all to visualize that God is standing next to you. No matter what brokenness you're in right now, no matter what hurt you walked in here with, no matter what, no matter what you've done or what has been done to you, God stands with you and he's standing with you right now and he's filling you with his strength. I want you to see it. I want you to feel it. I want you to experience it. And so how are you going to respond? with joy but for those in the room who want to feel that way who want to experience that who want to give their lives to Jesus to accept that gift I pray that you would talk to God right now and you're going to do simple thing you're going to tell him that you need him that you're broken that you need Jesus well tell him that tell him you need Jesus tell him you need a rescuer tell you that you have done wrong and then what you're going to do is say invite Jesus to transform you, to make you clean, to make you whole. Make those words your own. Say, God, transform me. Rescue me, change me. Make me whole, wash me clean. Pay my debt. I want you to see his face as he looks on you with joy. The third thing that you need to do is say, I leave everything behind. I'm gonna die to my ways of thinking. I'm going to die to my interpretation of myself, my identity as I see it. No, no. I'm going to pick up you, the creator's identity. I'm going to follow you because you got a mission for me. You got something for me to do. And I know it's beyond me, but I know that you will strengthen me through it. And for a moment, everyone in the room, let's rest in the knowledge that God stands with the needy. That God resides in a high and holy place, but also with those who are lowly, those who are humble in spirit, to revive their heart, to revive their spirit. Praise be to God who is faithful. Welcome back. I hope that you enjoyed that final message on 2 Timothy from Pastor Nathan. Uh, It's just been such a joy to go through this series these past 12 weeks to see and learn not only about uh, Timothy and Paul's relationship, but about the church, what the church is called to be and who we're called to be as followers of Christ. So I hope you learned or were challenged in some way, not just today, but throughout this whole series. But whatever you got going on, if there's anything that you need prayer or uh, just to connect with uh, or over, be sure to reach out. We believe that you belong to God, so you belong to this community, and we want you to get plugged in and connected. So you can fill out a connect card on our now page uh, to ask for prayer or just to uh, reach out and and make a connection. Love to get you plugged in with people or life groups, uh, but we'd we'd love for you to do that and, and to get you set up and connected in our community but 
either way uh i hope you enjoy this week uh, as summer comes to a close and the busyness of the school year starts i hope you have a blessed week and we'll see you again real soon